G'day everybody and welcome to another episode of the Hidden City Roller Derby. Uh, I'm your host Simkoff and I'm joined today by a menagerie of rollers and honorary rollers. <laughs> um, and we've actually got the triumphant return of Toridori. How's it going Bertie? Doing pretty well. I'm a little bit little bit tired but looking forward to it. Has What you been up to lately? You were killing it in the Discord League? Uh, actually, I did high roll. I managed to high roll two very good Phoenix players in Phoenix Mirrors, uh, which is pretty nice. <laughs> Including today, I got a turn turn one Palace plus Kanjo against Evan, the poor guy. <laughs> I hear that's pretty good. Is that Evan of uh, San Francisco Kote <laughs> um, fan? Yeah, he he was the Hadamoto from San Francisco. Yeah. I think he made top four or top eight there, yeah. All right, cool. Uh, hey, Glenn, how's it going, man? Not too bad, not too bad. How's everyone going? Good. So you're uh, coming live from a freeway in the middle of nowhere? Coming from uh, rural Victoria, uh, just living up to the Australian name of being in the bush. <laughs> You've been bush, bro. Been bush, mate. <laughs> uh, yeah, just, uh, just been in Bryant for a bit. And uh, yeah, keen to be back at playing L5R. You mean listening listening to Keith Urban and wrangling snakes in your spare time? <laughs> no, nah, nah, mate. Just been uh, just been bush wandering, trying to find my deck to play. Yeah, how it is. <laughs> Go walk about. Uh, maybe you've got to find all the missing lion cards out there in the bush somewhere. I think it'd have to be around. I'm actually looking for the good crab cards, mate. To be honest, <laughs> looking, for, looking for the crab cards. We... Just looking for that seeker of earth deck that we all decided was great. <laughs> and we've got uh and that that mystery voice you heard is the returning west coast roller uh nathan how are you man good 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 to be back representing all the notamotos out there <laughs> good you do represent well and finally running out the cast the audience, mate. that's what you do <laughs> yeah, of the audience that listens to us <laughs> uh we also have joining us uh, Jay Christoph, who's a roller that has not yet debuted. This is his debut on Hidden City Roller Derby. He has been like the champion in a bazillion card games. Um, old old school LCG CCG player. How are you? You there? Me. <laughs> <laughs> You're cutting in and out. Hear me? Yeah. Oh, yes, we can hear you. No. And he's gone. <laughs> right, that was a bit anticlimactic. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting a grand entrance. He's gone. <laughs> Holy shit. All right. Well, hopefully hopefully he can join us again soon. <laughs> he is a notoriously shy fella. Oh, wait, hold on. Maybe back there, Jay? No? Hello? No. <laughs> I was going to say maybe it's because we didn't say international worldwide acclaimed author jay christoph as a lead-in that is very true (laughs) i think he's going to try and reconnect he's going to disconnect and reconnect well uh in the meantime um anyone been playing any cool l5r we've got some interesting stuff to talk about today but uh anything cool going on i've i've been playing a lot of failed l5r like lots of super ridiculous like scorpion earth decks and everything else with all the new stuff now that it's all done and dusted with the arc and everything um and none of them are going very well so i won't inflict my experience on everybody <laughs> needless to say that when you when you try to run shuggies bushi courtiers and shinobi things don't maybe go so well 
it's a lot of moving parts. Well, why don't we actually you know how there's master of the elements? There's also master of the keywords. Master that's, of the that's it. We've got to find the elusive fifth. All right. Well, why don't we actually start off with just talking about, um, you know, we've got pack six is well and truly out now. We've got new roles. Uh, we've had a week and a half or two weeks to kind of get used to things. Um, I've asked the guys to kind of think about a deck that they believe works in the new environment. Glenn, did you maybe want to share yours first and, and uh, walk through it? Yeah, sure. Maybe so, oh, so just, hey, yes, hey, Jay, Jay. Welcome. Welcome, welcome back. Um, yeah, sorry, technical issues. That's all right. Say hello to the listeners for us. I gave you a very flattering intro. Guys, I'm sure. <laughs> Everyone, thanks for having me. It's nice to be here. <laughs> no worries. Jay, we just, Jay, yeah. we, just, we just wanted to know about your salty level right now. What's your saltiness level at? <laughs> what level is good? It's Simcoe that was salty at me. Yeah, yeah all right. right. That's all right. <laughs> well, in a moment, you can talk what about D&D. the saltworthy deck. I can't wait to hear about this this oh, night of testing. <laughs> it was like it was three games. His blood pressure went up pretty high by the end. But then we went and played D and D afterwards, so he calmed right down. It felt good. It felt good. All right, so Glenn, you were uh, digging into uh, which deck? Uh, I was uh, just going to discuss the Keeper of Earth Scorpion deck. Uh, basically, it's what. The role that Crab had, but Scorpion does it better, uh, where you can just decide to run Spyglasses and Talisman out of Scorpion. Uh, it enables really filthy combos, like you can dishonor their tower, move them into Abandoning Honor, the province that uh, eliminates the tower because they're dishonored. And yeah, you just get a lot of mileage out of being able to bid low and draw big because you have Spyglass now at your, at your fingertips. Uh, while also being able to run the filthy backhanded compliments. Um, and so you just offer some really enriching, fulfilling experiences for both you and your opponent, where they're on, <laughs> where, where, where you've played half a game and they're on three honor, and you just backhanded them three times out of hand. Um, so it can offer some really strong synergies in that way. Uh, but I have been losing a lot with the deck also, because what I realized is that when you have someone like me playing Scorpion, you're never going to get that far with it. So I hope there's some capable listeners out there that can take it a bit further than I so, can. All right. So the big question is, Discourage Pursuit, how many potatoes? Is it a good card? Uh, yeah. So, you know, if you're, if you're a lion player or you're a crab player, you want to play some fair L5R, you put your three bonsais in your deck and you play it, uh, just watch out because Scorpion's going to negate that. And, <laughs> and the beauty of it is when you play that new two-coster, your two-coster becomes a 4-4. So that's an eight. Sorry, that's a seven stat swing uh, in a military conflict. There's some beautiful, there's some beautiful synergies out there, and I, I think it really brings Scorpion back to the tier zero that they were missing for a while, where you know you, you thought they could do it at a tournament, but you just needed this Keeper of Earth roll uh, to really push them over the edge. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I love about this story is that Glenn simultaneously believes this deck. Is disgustingly overpowered and NPE, and yet he can't win with it either. <laughs> yeah, uh, Mate, in any card game, there's either the deck or the pilot. In, in this case, I, in this case, look, it's probably both, but we're going to blame the pilot for now because I really want this deck to take off. I think the Scorp Keeper of Earth probably has legs. I don't know if Unicorn Splash is the one I'd choose, but 
yeah, I think, yeah, but, I think that deck but, could be but good. You know, but, mate, you're, you're talking at it from a competitive analysis. I'm looking at it from, well, I can now play Talisman, so how to make it work. You know what I mean? Like, I, I get narrowed in on the one card rather than thinking about the proper competitive meta that's out there and, like, <laughs> and tailoring it to that. You're probably right. Why don't you, I, just, I, why don't you I, just play I, Triple Watch Commander and Triple Reprieve like any normal human being? Because <laughs> yeah, you can't, that's, I because, think that's pretty good. Because Jay, because I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't bid. You can't bid high on that deck. You can't draw enough of your cards and dishonor them out, uh, all in the same motion. You know what I mean? It's why Spyglass, <laughs> I thought, was a good, was a good answer. I will say though, I think critically, and this is honestly about Keeper versus Scorp in general. Missing the Seeker Fate really makes it hard to fit in a lot more of the expensive events that Scorpion were running in the past. And so I think there needs to be a, a way for players to learn how to play with just that little bit less fate. And that's an honest critical analysis of that. Do you think I mean, that's what right? your reprieves are for, right? That's what your reprieves are for. You're getting longevity out of your characters. So like you bang a Watch Commander on Heartless Intimidator and a couple of fate on him and all of a sudden he's milling you. Oh, are we are we talking about the mill deck now? Well, that's a different deck. Right? <laughs> uh, I'm glad, I, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought the mill deck can we, up. Can we not have another ten minute heartless intimidator rant? Like we already we did that about three episodes ago. <laughs> uh, did we? Well, I, I I built a deck for my friend, and he reports that he's had more people concede to him in in the space of that card being out than at other time. And I said I said, well, if you get two of them out turn one, and you're milling two two cards per dishonor. It's not really fun to play against. Mill's never fun. Mill in any game is never fun to play against. Because um, you're losing all your good cards, which is a shame. Do you, do you think that lack of Seeker Fate means you kind of have to be even more conservative in your Dynasty buys? Like, passing Fate then becomes so much more important. I think you go the high, you know, the really tier zero competitive play of just seeing, seeing your hidden Moon Mojo Dojo turn one and then you're good because you you've got your fate engine set up and you've got your limit one per deck set up and so you're all good on that front i've never seen anyone anyone play that card because it's just an insta turn one scoop isn't it when your opponent gets it (laughs) you have to ask ask jay have to ask jay about that because jay is experienced the scoop or no scoop scoop or no scoop question it's a Jay Jake just stuff special. Uh, I mean, if they if they flop that on a central province turn one, and then you play it through. But if you're playing with friends, then fuck it, just, just start again. Man, I just remember I got that pack. I was so happy. I got to use. I was think flips hidden moon dojo. I was so excited to play that card. Ever since I saw it spoiled. First turn, flip it in the middle, and then just on the edge, I got a imperial palace just to taste. And you just scooped. You didn't let me play. <laughs> you yeah. had the palace as well. <laughs> it was a fairy palace. So I think that was the first time it was actually in his deck. It was just like Godfall. <laughs> like palace on the end, in the middle. I'm like, yeah, right, let's play. Let's play another game. Let's play a real game. L5R is highly skillful win. L5R is known for its very tactical and thoughtful lines of play, and it's it's a game renowned for. Very few swings and very few uh, blowout potential turns, uh, and we hope that the game continues that manner. All right, so Jay, you're going to talk about some really lovely deck. A lot of, I think we've we've coined it Crane NPE. 
<laughs> Crane negative play experience. Uh, and it basically stops your opponent playing the deck um, between a combo of Voice of Honor and hopefully Guest of Honor with, you know, three or four Fate Honor. Your VOH turned on at all times with new cards like Spell Beyond Approach and Game of Sedana. You basically looking at an opponent with eight cards in their hand and you know, maybe one of them that they can actually play. I came over my house yesterday. I think we played four games. Yeah. I did do a turn one scoop on one of those games uh, <laughs> where my... He got Fate Worse Than Death the first turn. I didn't have a VOH in hand. But the other three games, by the end of them, Simcoe was deep, deep in the salt mines, um, bitterly complaining about... <laughs> The negative play experience. I think the worst thing is, right, yeah. is I'm playing well, Meek and Foreman to see my fate. So, like, <laughs> I feel like I'm giving him a little bit of MPE by, like, being able to discover his game plan. But then I see his game plan, I'm like, oh, all right, well, I guess I got no response. I'm my hand and see two policy debates and a fate worse than death and just never declares, <laughs> never declares an attack. <laughs> but I was... <laughs> Like just when I was playing against Rob at the last tournament, I did a draw phase, draw phase three fate, Mark of Shame into Knob Sack. That felt pretty fucking oh. good. Mark of Shame's a good card, eh? So, actually, here's a good question, Jay, because you've been playing a little bit of Crane now. Um, Magistrate Station is uh, on the uh, Troll5R, that highly skilled podcast that thinks very highly of itself. They reckon Magistrate Station's pretty crappy because all it really does is means that you can defend a province and then stand your guy. It doesn't really do anything. What's, what's your uh, c- contrasting or or do you agree with their assessment? No, it's absolute nonsense. Magistrate Station is busted. It's busted. It's fundamentally changed <laughs> the way people play against Crane. Like, you can't poke first turn. You can't just send in Envoy with one military just to see what's there. Because if you run into Magistrate Station, you've just turned it on and they will put it in you for the rest of the game with do want, it. So. Do you want to give a little bit of a PSA to uh, fellow Crane players out there about when you're allowed to actually use the Magistrate Station action? Whenever you, whenever you choose. Simcoe has a real problem with this concept. I think he's asked me that question about 12 times now. <laughs> <laughs> like, five times in the one game. Like, can you read out that action again? When can you do that action? Is it in the middle of a conflict? Or, oh, no, it's just whenever you want to do it. Right. And then three minutes later, like, how does that action work? When can you do that action? Yep. Here in Saltier every time he asks. Yeah, it's a pretty good card. I rate it. If you're going to run it, you'll feel pain one way or the other. If it's repetition and questioning, then so be it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like all, all you have to do is defend. Like you, you throw every. If they poke and run into it, then you fine. You leave it go. If they have a chance of breaking it, then you defend with everything you have. And then, yeah, you you essentially have an extra conflict character. Pretty much every conflict phase, because you're going to have someone who's honoured. Yeah. And it on with. It's an incredible card. All right. Well, have you tried the here. keeper? Have you tried the keeper roll with it with talisman, or is it not worth it? Uh, I have not. I haven't tried it yet. No, I've been too enamoured of old school seeker style, um, the NP experience. I think so, yeah. all the fate <laughs> Between... feels really good, right? Right. I mean, the thing is that in terms of dynasty side, the deck hasn't changed that much. Like they got Crane got one good character this arc, in my opinion, which is. He's the little courtier that could. Everyone else they got is 
pretty much unusable, but the, the conflict side changed dramatically. Hello, delegate. Oh, yeah. It's huge. Aren't you running your, is huge. Your, your, your parrot sensei or whatever it is? With his Ingo, no, he's too program. expensive, man. Too expensive. Nah, it feels good against okay. Dragon. But I mean, the other two five costers are just better. Okay. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think about like telling Sumiko that you can never attack and you're not going to defend the first conflict? The, the truth is, any of your five costs against Dragon are going to get they're going to get hit with Cloud. So you've got to look yeah. at the stat block and who's just going to be a better beat stick when they're honoured. Yeah, Hitaru. Both both the other Gosh. five costs are better stat block. That's a good point. All right. So so Nathan, you were um, going yes. to talk to us about some fiery birds. Well, yeah, I um I've been running quite a bit of the new role Phoenix with the Secret of Air. Yeah. Um, which is super super neat. Um, but I've I've unlocked I think the secret to Phoenix decks, and that is to run no shuggies whatsoever. <laughs> so, <laughs> so shuggies are for chumps. I've decided with Phoenix, and they run really well. <laughs> and you so you splash your crane, you get your Solby on reproach, and your your Shiba Sakoon, so they're storming around all big, and you can just sit there all passive and not really have to engage in the game. You run as much waning hostilities as possible so that you can sort of minimize the actual play that has to take place while you slowly trickle up on her and, and the victory just comes to you. You don't actually have to do anything. It's so are you playing Solitaire? Are you, are you playing Solitaire <laughs> or are you playing Alpha 5 It's... It's Philosopher Phoenix is, is what I've dubbed it. So you sit there, you mostly just think about playing. And then, about <laughs> yeah, and the cards the cards do the work for you. Your opponent, it's their job to overcome what I have, not the other way around. But, it sounds like you're just reflecting on how game design works, mate, where it's like, this is a two-player <laughs> game on the box. It says two-player game. And you fundamentally going, what is two players? What is? <laughs> I, I think I, th I, th I think I misread that as up to two players. So, <laughs> so no, but look, it works like they've got like you know they've got their new region and everything where you can you know you've got a built-in sabotage. It's solid. You know, I do. I sorry, I lie. I do run. I run one shuggy who's the combo courtier shuggy, and so you're sort of forced into it. The one that honors people. What's your name? Yeah. Suki, that's the one. But no, it's a good deck. It's easy. You splash crane, solve your approach, um, and you've got your cancels, a bit of bit of card draw, test of skill. If you're are you running No, I, I don't. I've I've had bad experiences with the way the chrysanthemum, <laughs> um, because that's that's the negative experience card. That's the the token bad card. I, there was a game I played actually against another local here, Andrew. Um, where I got to the end of like, it was a big game, went for ages, went like six or seven rounds. And then I'm just going, oh, I'm sick of this fucking card. And I threw it on the table. I went, wait, the present, put it in my hand since turn one and I haven't been able to use it. And he flipped over the last card in his hand as well. And it was way the chrysanthemum. He'd had it since turn one in the game. So it's basically just a two fate dead weight piece of junk that no one can ever play. <laughs> it's awful. Right. Cool. Do not rate. Okay. So, um, one of the things I wanted to talk about, we've kind of been chatting a little bit around alternate sort of tournament formats, and I wanted to like look at other games and what they do and what could potentially be brought in to add to the competitive element of L5R. And one of the things that you know I, I tend to admire, and I think you know a few few others on this on this call might admire, is the idea that like to be a great player, it's kind of like you know Frotops trying to do in the whole Pokemon become a Hatamoto of each clan, but it's the idea that not only do you need depth 
and be able to choose a deck and master it you must be able to master many decks and many clans and play styles the best players have broad and deep skills so i was thinking about like dota 2 or dota and, and league of legends and those games that do pick and ban and i was thinking like if you got a team tournament maybe you've got like three people imagine that like you got three people and each team brings seven decks one of each clan and you kind of I don't know, like, is anyone here like a Dota or LOL expert and kind of walk through what a pick and ban phase might look like? I think they've changed it over the years, but I think it was like the first team bans one, the second team bans two, then the, then the first team bans two, then the second team bans one, then the first team bans one. Something like yeah. that. So you can adapt the numbers yeah, so it's like, good. yeah. There's five characters that get banned um, across the ban phase, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's so, something like that. So you could adapt it. Yeah, in, but I mean, I guess in Dota, two, in Dota 2, the two's from you. You each ban three, and then you take turns picking, and there's a second ban phase where you ban another oh, there you go. one or two. Yeah, it must have changed. So you could kind of adapt to that, right? Where, like, each team gets an opportunity to ban a clan. So say, like, you know, you're playing against... You know, people who are notoriously good at certain clans. You ban that clan out. Say we decide to ban out Scorpion. So that means neither team can use Scorpion. Then, you know, the opponent then gets to pick a deck that they play. But the idea is that, like, you get to, as a team, you'll bring in seven decks. And then over the course of the rounds, you're going to play a bunch of these different decks. And you're going to get a bunch of different matchups. And it's less like, well, there's two or three decks which are the top of the meta... So I'm bringing one of those three to my big tournaments, and that's it. What do you guys think? I think about Hearthstone had a similar model. Didn't they? Like you had to yeah. bring three, you had to bring four decks, like four different character-based decks, and your opponent could ban one of the characters. So like you yeah. can play your Warlock deck or whatever. Yeah, and then you and then you play RNG Fiesta for the next ninety minutes. And if you <laughs> if you if you if you win the most if you win the if you win most consistently, you get some cash pretty good deal um deal. i was also gonna say ben isn't there so there's the format already called solitaire which nathan's introduced us to yeah. um and then and then there's all there also is the mind's desire approach where you, you just become good at one deck and then you win every na big tournament in your in your country um so I, I think the idea of playing three decks seems really interesting and you're talking about having breadth of decks i was just wondering if keyforge appealed to your mate uh, as, a, as a new game rather than a, than a format in L5R. Uh, but also, more seriously, what about if you did what you're suggesting, but rather than draft out each other's uh, decks, you build the shittiest decks possible for each clan, oh. and then you, you give them then you give them to your opponent, and the winner is whoever loses with their deck. Oh. <laughs> so you, so you basically... You're basically trying to find the worst decks in the format, and you go, "Well, I, I bet that my deck is worse than your deck, so you're going to play my deck." Reverse uh, but it, Yeah, but in all seriousness, I think that's a great idea. I think anything that promotes um, team events, uh, it, we saw in our pre in our proving grounds the night before the Kotai or the team event that we ran before our Kotai in Melbourne that the team event not only offered a way to introduce people to each other who may not have met from around the country, but mm. it also allowed for a very relaxed, very enjoyable tournament where 
um, you could just have fun, see new interactions, and uh, yeah. just yeah, work together as a team. And so I think anything that promotes a team format uh, is a really great idea for the game. And I really hope we push that here in Melbourne at least. Uh, it's because I, I've got a feeling that while Season 2 and the Scorpion OP kits are going to come out, there's going to be a little bit of a gap, I feel, where we could fill in the space with that sort of event. That team's tournament, that was called the Grand Alliance before our Kotai. That was a lot of fun. Although, I still can't believe that I chose to play the same deck in both nights after having almost lost to a 10-year-old boy on that Friday night. <laughs> He's a good player. Ben, ben does look older. He was a good player. Yeah, he was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, ten year old I like player. the idea. I, I was always such a fan of the the drafting phase of Dota matches, and like a lot of the top teams in the world, uh, their success rides on their drafter being good. And like drafters are headhunted by by teams now. You know, like people who are very very skilled at at picking up lineups. And so like you can't apply that. You can't totally transpose the idea because there are 115 heroes or whatever in that game. But I do like the idea of encouraging um, a, a generalized L5R skill set as a virtue in the in the game because I think it's I, I'm most impressed with players who can do well with a lot of decks. I think is, what you could do what you could do is have all seven uh, all seven province like all the boxes out all the strongholds out and then you draft the strongholds yeah, like between it. all six play, between all six players. Because then, then you've got to make very careful considerations, not only for your skill in each stronghold, but also your skill um, in in terms of like the matchups. So if they pick if they pick Scorpion, you've got to be able to counter draft it to a certain extent and so forth. I don't know. There's lots, Is of, that there's lots of ideas. Push. Kind of what FFG are kind of doing at the moment though with their role locking they just lock everybody down so you'd have not only do you have to pick your role and all those cards are excluded that you can't have otherwise and you have to pick your splash so all the other cards out of your splash you can't have then somebody has to lock your deck out as well and you can't play those either so really everybody <laughs> have what six six cards they get to try and play the game with at that point start start adding cards to the restricted list no okay alright well I might have a crack at as your like, baseline up. that's yeah. all yeah, no, this sounds like a really cool idea. I'm all right, something. I like the idea that like maybe the two captains of the team flip a coin, and then you know whoever wins gets to um, gets a choice. They can either get the first ban or they get to first draft. <laughs> so basically, as a consolation, if you know the other team gets to pick first, you get to at least go. All right, well, this is the ban. This is the because there's six clans that are going to be picked. So this is the clan that's banned for the round. I don't know. Anyway, Another cool thing you could do is... Go ahead. So I think it's a really good idea. I think, you know, the, the reason why other games have introduced that kind of format is to stop the meta growing stale. If one particular archetype grows too strong, it becomes an auto-ban. Actually, is forced to adapt because the strongest archetype is forced out of the game. And I think we're at a point now with, in terms of card pool, or we're getting very close to a point in terms of card pool where every clan has a viable... 1.5 strat whereas before you know this cycle if you got lump with unicorn you you would be boned but everyone's getting to the point now where they can field something competitive so yeah i think it's a cool idea i was just going to add um you think you could do you could add in uh, one of the teams gets to pick 
which players play off and you draft you draft like the matchups as well. So like if you get first pick, your opponent gets to choose which player deck or something. That could be cool. Yeah. I like it. I like it. All right. So, um before we get into listener questions, there were some new cards that dropped today. And rather than doing, you know, we we'll just do like a quick quick walk through them and let let's uh see if there's any thoughts that we have that are beyond that card looks cool. Um, okay. So the first one I want to talk about is yeah, called right. Brothers Gift Gojo, which is, it's a province and uh, action during a conflict, lose one on it, choose a participating character you control, move that character home, limit twice per round. I really like this guy. Has anyone got any major thoughts on that one? It's, it's void. So it's got a lot of... Stiff competition, yeah, like, sure. like really stiff, like you know, shameful, obviously. But even the other two, even like pilgrimage is, is great. I often run that over shameful because that's how I don't win. But um, to, to run that instead, something that's going to automatically lose you honor. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure I could do it. I mean, it does. You can use it outside of its own conflict, which is pretty good, just like the magistrate station. But, um, I think this would have to be a very specific deck. It would have to be a very, very specific deck archetype. Um, yeah, because it has to be flipped face up. So they have to have attacked it already. You have to then defend it successfully. Um, and then it's also got to... It's like you're never playing it in the Keeper deck, right? It has to be Seeker Avoid. Because yeah, playing good. playing this over Shameful is just suicide. Um, and then, like, is it better than Pilgrimage? I've I think it's probably. So, I mean, it depends, so, man. It depends on how strong is moving a character home, and how important <laughs> is so, how important is losing an honor on tap for for the new Scorp deck. Okay, so this is my thoughts, right? Is I like the idea you play three ambush, three charge, three from the shadows, all of the shinobi, and you've got characters flying out of your hand and your provinces left, right, and center, just flying onto the board, and then you can move them back with that plus maybe one or two. You know, smoke and mirrors, etc. Um, and you've got the new Shizuro Takeo who lets you move home as well. So you've just got the idea where you can over defend and then you move your guys home and then over attack and move your guys home. So I think it's it encourages that sort of um, characters flying in from everywhere for free or cheap, like cheating characters, and then getting the most use each turn out of the characters you've cheated. So it's a very aggressive deck, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, but what do you, what would you have in place of those cards? Like, instead of Smoke and Mirrors, what would have been in your hand? Instead of going, oh, I'm not really winning this conflict, I might bow out, or I'm, or I'm overcommitted. Yeah, it could be katana. any number of other millions of things. Um, yeah. But like, but you, like it's Yeah, and I mean, From the Shadows, which is the new one, which is, if you're less honourable than your opponent, action during a conflict, put a Shinobi character into play from your hand, or provinces in the conflict. That character into play is Dishonoured. Like, it's a free sort of charge but you can also get it from your hand like seems cut is fucking awesome i reckon yeah. that card's great yeah so yeah i don't know i just think yeah, that uh, it's not a dead card brothers of uh nah. give dojo the, the fact that it's free and dishonoring and you really care very little about i think is is really good and there's plenty of cards that even if they have no fate on you can get plenty of value out like even the um the actress like to drop her for zero and get two functional conflicts out of her in a turn is, oh. is pretty solid. <laughs> That's pretty. Like, well, I mean, you're going, you're going to get three. Doesn't doesn't the new box unbow or straighten a dishonored yeah. character? Yeah, yeah, yeah true. True that. Play, 
into the conflict, then you straighten them with your box, and then you blow her up to pull someone else into another conflict. Like that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty free. economical for zero. Conflicts <laughs> for free. Yeah, that's like, it's not from the shadows. Got great artwork too. It reminds me a bit of Curse of the Golden Flower, the Zhang Yimou movie. It looks awesome. Yeah, yeah. Reminds me of Tenchu. Did you guys ever play Tenchu? Yes, Ninja. And yeah, that was a fucking great game. That was same deal. Oh, yeah, yeah. So PlayStation One. Yeah, I, I actually I was I won't say that. Um, Liars must. Uh, so sorry. So just yeah. just two things on that. Yeah. So firstly, I think in. If Hokuto is not going to get eroded anytime soon, I actually think all these move home abilities are actually quite strong. Um, just because that card is just so prevalent right now, that any card that's, that's going to allow you to move home uh, actually does have a place in the meta right now. Um, and, and secondly, I just, this is just me not knowing the game well enough, but does put into play mean I can put a fate on it? Like pay for no. a fate? Or. No. Okay. What's what's the terminology where it does allow me to put into play? Play. play. If you play. Oh, okay. Great. So you know Thank what? you. That, that's, that was my the question. other advantage Great. of From the Shadows, because it's put a shinobi character into play, is you're not. Oh, actually. So I guess you're playing From the Shadows from your hand. So Watch Commander could trigger off From the Shadows, but it's not going to trigger off the shinobi that you put into play. It's kind of weird interaction. Um, Liar's Mask. There's two, two, two last cards. Liar's Mask, which is a plus one, plus one item that costs one fate. It's another mask. It's got the mask trait. You can only play it if you've got six or fewer honor. Action, discard a status token from attached character. And it has a cool little quote, which is, the face is the first traitor from Bayushi's Liars. Um, thoughts? Um, the art is horrible, first and foremost. It's like a little mosquito mask. I don't like it. <laughs> It looks, like it looks like from the absolute... reject shop or something. The mask. Sorry to the artist. It does. Actual... It's like a, a budget party mask. I think the guy <laughs> looks fine, but it does look like it was painted on afterwards. It's like a party supplies. <laughs> yeah, it's like from a really poor man's lap. It's shocking. <laughs> um, no, the, the card's good. You could run that comfortably. You can get buffs off it. You can get rid of your dishonor. You can get rid of opponent's honored status. Does all kinds of things. It's fine. I think it I balances out balances out Crane. Like, if Crane is really going to get quite strong with all its, um, like, if they're honored or if they're gonna, if everyone's going to abuse the Mark of Shame combo, I think these sort of cards, along with Perfect Land Ethos, just help even the playing field where otherwise you wouldn't have an answer. It's How much influence is it, one. by the way? I was just about to say it's one influence. Yeah, I, so, yeah, yeah. it's really strong. I'd yeah. probably point out, first of all, that that card is built 100% for Aramuro when he comes out, who dishonors himself to murder people. And then that every turn obviously just triggers and fixes him right up, which yeah, is pretty solid. Yeah. So, so the one other card that we didn't talk about was the Alibi Artist, uh, which is a one-cost uh, courtier shinobi. So both the cool traits. One glory uh, dash military. So Ratsugu can suck it. And two political action. If you have six, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Action, if you have six off your honor, look at the top two cards of your deck, put one of them in your hand and the other on the bottom of your deck. So it's like a shrewd Yusuke effect that only works if you have six off your honor, but does cost one less and you've got some relevant traits. 
I, so I struggle Ke with all those six or fewer cards. Like, yeah, I'm just wondering. Kaden Bayushi also requires that they be. Oh no, if they if they're if it's six or lower, they get plus one plus one, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, quite a few of those. And that's, that's a dangerous it. position to be in at six or lower in Scorpion without the the old box uh, being able to keep you afloat. I'm just, I'm a little <laughs> concerned as well. I mean, they get yeah. you get duty as well. I guess like to try and mitigate that. I think that's kind of the point, but. I don't know. So, like, as the game goes on, you get more and more cards. Like, six, six to zero is going to be a really quick trip in some games. Like, it's not going to take much at all. And against in the mirror versus the old box, you're going to be screwed, right? Like, yeah. you just can't win. You can't win against the old box. Um, well, I, I don't, it depends how strong all these six or less cards are, though. Like, if they're all just a bit above the curve, like it'd be fine. Like, you might do okay and. I think you've got plenty of cards to make sure you don't have dishonored people around. Maybe that's the point. You know, there's, there's other than the air ring that, you know, largely gets ignored except for like a fate battery. Yeah. I you love the whole theme, the whole right? More. Like like jumpers, ninjas, shinobi. It's what I wished the corset sculpt was. Yeah. And I, it's what I loved in the old game, in old L5R, was was this idea that you could jump people into battles and ambush and stuff. And I, I hope I hope it's strong enough to contend with the old archetype because i i it's, it's got to be an aggro deck right like yeah. you, you're out there to break provinces well i i honestly think all of these cards that are six or five, they're better off running out of the old scorpion box not the new one so but sitting at six is a lot easier when you can tap your opponent for one every turn and just sort of maintain that level whereas the straighten i think is really good for you know big fat characters that want to straighten and go again like if you're running showed you in an aggressive deck so, Opie and West. Yeah, sorry. Any kind of competition for Beauty Liar. Like, he's same cost. He has one glory as opposed to zero. He has two political as opposed to three. And Liar draws you a card when it leaves play anyway. Yeah. I mean, but you, you're he's not going to replace Liar. More but than he's, one fate. He's, he's competing for the Court Novice Species Manipulator spot, which is. Very competitive. <laughs> this guy, this guy's blank turn one because you're never, you're not going to be lower than six, and he also, uh, um, you're paying the tax for the shinobi trade, I guess. So, so like, one assassin, any good cards? One assassin, one assassin, yeah. Because you start with nine honor, right? One Koyuden Bushi. Yeah. So a single assassin yeah. gets you to six. I think blackmail as well, right? That only you assassinate run... you're probably going to play on turn one because you probably can't afford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're running the new box, you can only play one of those cards. Like you can't play Green Darkness. And... I know because combo with loyalty. I don't know. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, so there's another weird card. Like it's got an effect that is unique. Uh, like it's the first time we've seen this sort of effect. Uh, the Opium Westral. So it's a one-one peasant conflict character. Play only if you're less honorable than your opponent. So it's after this character hits play, choose a participating character. That character's glory is set to zero until the end of the conflict. That play only if you're less honorable is completely unnecessary. Like, I don't know why they say, they always put these like extra text on cards just to make sure it's almost entirely non-playable. Yeah, I'm shocked I mean, it's not can... a lion card with that fucking text. <laughs> <laughs> they are known for their opium habits. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I like the idea. It seems okay. I think it's very hard. I mean, at first glance, when we don't really see know the whole set, um, it seems like very very hard to get into a deck. But it still does seem fun at like reducing somebody's glory to zero because it's outrageous things that happen there. And if a lot of your guys are dishonored, 
you know, and like Yanako and a few of the other characters that might make it into the new box kind of have that two glory. So sometimes it's good to set your own character to zero, and then I alternatively, mean, you know, yeah. an honored serene warrior sounds like a good. I suppose what we don't know though is whether he's not easy. <laughs> Do we know if he's end of the conflict or end of the turn, or end of the? It just says it doesn't phase. say on the. You yeah, can't see I think it. it's probably conflict. So if it was like if it was just one conflict, then it, it has a couple of uses. But if it's not, if it's the end of the phase, then you can sort of drop him and use him to poke a box somewhere. And he has a pretty he's probably more playable at that point. Like you can just get rid of, you know, some giant characters plus three plus three or Sukun's four whatever else, or you know, get rid of Kachiko's crippling. Um, and you can just, you know, poke a box either side. So he's slightly more useful than the other peasant. The, the, the big problem with this card is the the times in games where he's going to be a dead card in your hand and yeah. presumably like turn two or beyond you're going to be bidding low because you're going to have no honor and you're going to knock a one for a one one conflict character because those guys have proven to just be some of the best characters in the game time and time again but yeah i think like his reaction at best is going to give you like a, a two stat pump in a conflict usually what's his, yeah. in, what's his influence count sorry can't, can't see. see. Can't see. I, I, is he a conflict obscured. character? Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. conflict. Okay, so like the line of play I see is the haughty magistrate from Phoenix. It just gives you another way to deny, um, to, to get a break so without actually Phoenix. pumping. Yeah, because yeah. you can you just Phoenix, literally, Phoenix you, just, you literally, if they block with yeah, one person, yeah. you can make them zero glory. And it's like, you don't have to pump your box. There. It's a good thing that's yeah. not a niche case. <laughs> such a I don't know. Like to me, I don't know. I don't know, dude. Like uh, that haughty. Like if you can't, if you don't cloud that haughty magistrate, there's very like there's there's many games where you'll just get blown out because you'll just get you can't interact with a character that blanks all your characters because you've got more glory than. Them. Do you know what I mean? There's a good counter to that as well. Where you can isn't that a problem? Isn't the problem with those decks that hinge on one particular character cards like Cloud the Mind? Like in a big tournament, if you play it, yeah, if you play a haughty magistrate deck and your whole deck relies on <laughs> getting that guy to crush provinces, like you're going to run into someone who's running Cloud the Mind and Five Fire. But mate, but mate, it's so. But mate, I'm just saying about it's fun decks, right? It's like, well, like it's a fun deck. It allows those decks to actually have a place. Where you can take it to your local game night and not lose three games in a row. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. I, I think I could see this Opium Wastrel, I could see being run in like the current Scorpion far more than the new Shinobi version. So, like, old Scorpion. I don't think he's going to take a spot from, like Meek Informant, though. Like, the conflict character slots in that deck at the moment are jam packed. Mm. Who are you going to take out for this guy? I think. Peasant on peasant. Yeah, it's like Meek Informant's definitely the superior peasant as well. If you, I mean, you could combo it with the Shadow Shaper, so you get some, some reuse out of the, the opium smuggler guy. Yeah, that's pretty you sick. Know? Actually, that's, that's interesting. So you One. Because could, could, if you could use it twice in a single conflict, that could be that could make a, a swing, a decent swing. But yeah. Mm. All right. Well. I think you, I think you hit hit it there though ben with the from the shadows plus charge plus ambush plus hidden moon dojo that's going to be a lot of like surprise skill that your opponent mm. isn't going to have time to account for um 
it's going to be a lot more consistent than just like charge bird used to be i think it's going to be yeah. pretty strong so it's i guess it's the idea that um you're playing a very disruptive deck that looks very weak on the board but it's got all this sort of different little effects coming um it does mean that it's probably going to be tougher and tougher in that style of deck to play a fate worse than death it's an amazing card that we just all seem to run three of but i think more and more that's going to be tough um I agree. But also yeah, also, the drawing, also drawing five will be an issue for that deck because cool. how do you draw? How do you draw? So how do you keep low on honor? How do you keep less honorable than your opponent and draw high while playing within a safe margin? So I, I think what you might hit on here, though, sir, is that potentially good omen. <laughs> I'm always always like vouching <laughs> for that card. I always feel <laughs> one day it'll have a spot in the deck. All right. Um, so. There are a few questions from some listeners. Uh, there's one more. Sorry, yeah. mate. There's one more card that I think you missed. There's a unique character that they spoiled. I can't remember his name, but he's in there. Oh, Takeo. Oh, Takeo. We very briefly touched on him. So he... Let's have a look at him. So Takeo is a 3-1. Three, 3 military, 1 political, 0 glory, which is a good thing. Uh, 2 costa. Uh, unique is a dynasty character. Bushy. Shadow Shinobi, which is all of the, the traits that you want in a Shinobi. Uh, action. All the shadow cards. Yeah. Action. While a Dishonored character is participating in a conflict, dash, move this character into or out of that conflict. So you can, you know, he's got some Hawk Holy fuck, dude. This guy's amazing. Yeah. I think he's great. Two cost. He's three like his... military, two cost, which is. He's well statted. Yeah. Well, it's hard to I get would, I would... military. Man, I would I would suck a certain lead designer's uh, uh, appendage to get a three skill for two in Lion. So shout out to Nate French. You got a three skill for one in Lion, man. (laughs) Yeah, everyone has that. Everyone has that. But all your Lion guys have got a glory, and and one or two points of glory makes up for those extra stats. Yeah, glory is a really good stat to have on your characters. You always want to have maximum glory. (laughs) I know. Great ability, great stat line. Crab got a crab has got a zero zero scout, and they've got a one one one, mate. <laughs> so you and your you and your whinging about not having three on a two costa, and you got a one th- three strength on a one costa. I think you need to go. You know, you need to go walk about with me and find your lion card. Because <laughs> I'm trying to find my. I'm really trying to find my crab cards, mate. Well, don't you guys think it's bullshit that that Scorpion have the only four drop in the game with five military skill? They and, don't get. Well, it's coming. And Aramora. <laughs> <laughs> and Lion's biggest skilled four drop is three. Hey, but don't the you know that Scorpion's super general. cool? But, but how much was... glory has it got? Like... Fucking <laughs> <laughs> glory, <laughs> man. <laughs> And you've also got seventh Matsu Legion, mate. So you're all, you're all yeah. good on the military front. Do you know what yeah, glory is, is like? Down. <laughs> Do you know what glory is like? Glory is like going and buying a brand new car and having the car salesman swindle you into buying all of the add-ons that cost you an extra few thousand dollars. <laughs> and really, the car drives the exact same. That's what glory is but, like. Ex- except you also get the favor, though. You get the favor every turn. It's it's a seller. Yeah. <laughs> it's clearly a win. Right, so we'll move on then. We've we've had enough salt. Uh, so a couple 
well, a few more than a couple. We've got a, a bunch of response. We'll get to a few today of questions. Um, so Ray Dent asks, now that the full elemental cycle is out and we've had time to test all of the goodies, what do the rollers think the restricted list will look like by the end of the year? So I guess, yeah. I this is a great question. I initially saw real life for RL. I thought I'd press it. I'll be on the streets out of a job. It's going to be horrible. That opium habit. <laughs> so I feel like there's one addition that we're likely to have. Anyone got to guess what, what we think? Hawk. Yeah. yeah. That, I, I feel like a bunch of stuff's got to come off the list as well. Like heaps of it. I don't think it's that big of a deal. There's so, so many cards now that people can choose from. But even stuff like Policy Debate, that was sort of auto-includes like everything before. I, ne- but, I never want that to come off. Are you I honestly think, uh, advocating for that card to come off the restricted list? I, do you <laughs> not? Be upgraded to banned. Banned. That card should not exist in the first place. It'd be banned. Nah, it's just, it's not that good. <laughs> That's a classic And I play the quote. fucking thing. <laughs> No, look, it's it's fine. I don't think it's as, as broke as people think it is. Like the the scouting is is great, but every single deck these days can run up holding where you teams are gonna get a break on it, look at the deck and get the same effect, only powerful. I mean that's and don't get me wrong, that's really good. It's still a good card. But it's not super game breaking. Like you get a bit of a scout if you win. I don't, I don't see the drama. Jesus Christ. <laughs> You are the reason why cars like this exist. <laughs> same, same attitude in the design team. It's like, oh, we'll let them, we'll let them look at their opponent's hand and take their best card away from them in the middle of the card that they a, were going to use to win that. But it's a jewel now in their discard pile. But it's a jewel, though. You could turn the tables. <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna do when it's an honored Hataru dueling your Kaiyu one? What does what does the Kaiyu envoy have to say about the state of, you know, the, the peasantry as opposed to the nobility in Rokugani? Like learn to play to you. I think that <laughs> that um, we discussed it a bit on a previous cast, but the fact that a uh, card like Game of Sedane, um, the losing effects basically hit the losing character rather than the player makes it a lot more fair. Whereas, like, policy debate, you like you said, you can duel a Mawaka Kabe guard with Hitaru on policies, and it's not really fair, right? Like, it, policy it, debate's it's, free, it's... right? Like, I feel policy like... Policy debate costs yeah. no fate. Game of Sedane costs a fate. Policy yeah. debate is free. It's so, madness. So if policy the worst debate card in the game. was not on the restricted list because two fate would have been playable. Yes. Two Absolutely. Fates, you wouldn't... I don't think you'd play it. No, not with not for two. Like you, you still you. The end result. I mean, the scout. I think is the the primary win there. Like dropping a card is fine. You, but you know, you've lost a card as well. You could have had something else. Just seeing what your opponent has is is really valuable. But there's plenty of other stuff so, now that does that though. Like you can, anyone can splash for the little sneaky conflict. peasant. Not mid conflict. So, so back to um. Away their best card mid conflict. Yeah, back to raise. Back to Ray's question. Yeah. Like, I, I feel, I mean, we, Wait, there was this question? Wait, no. Okay, base has been discussed, like, too many yeah. times. Right. I think I think Ray's question is trying to think about, like, did they really, did they design cards in this cycle 
that either means that things go off the list or things go on the list. I would say that in general, because it's so hard to play this now that there's two roles, it's very complicated to assess where the restricted list will lie when you now each clan has two roles as well as trying to assess it further. Um, I would say feast of, like to me, feast of famine should go in there. Like I just think that province should shouldn't be printed. That should be on there. I think hawk tattoo should be eroded. I think it's a lot clean. Eroded to what? To only target your own guys. You no, know, you just right. make it your own character, and then then everyone can. No, you're breaking a bit. Yeah. Well, I think that Mountains Anvil Castle should be a good addition to the, uh, to the restricted. <laughs> restricted. Because <laughs> yeah. I fuck think. Them. <laughs> I think. Look, in seriousness, I think Crab could do with some love. I think either Iron Mine or Pathfinders. I'd like for Crab to have a way to run Pathfinders Blade with think- their new Seeker thing. Unless I get something out of Seeker of Earth. Um, I would, I would but they've got so see, much competition. I would prefer to see Iron Mine come off the restricted list than Pathfinders. I mean, they're both very, and, very strong cards. Then you're enabling the the charge Iron Mine shenanigans. Yeah. Today. Like, they can that, already that, yeah. do that. Like, I've always said that that Reprieve should have been the card rather than Iron Mine on the list anyway, because yeah, that can't. So, so I would just, I would like to see Iron Mine come off, a Reprieve go on, and uh, Feast Sorry, or Famine hit I, the restricted list as well. Sorry, did you yeah. guys? Did I cut out? Yeah, you got the right. gist of your point. We got yeah, it. sorry. We yeah, moved on to crab. Cool. Uh, what did you? What, was, what did you say, Bert? Sorry, just so I understand. What uh, just, I was just saying that I would like to see reprieve go on the list and Iron Mind come off, and then yeah, yeah there's some like, other tinkering, but I think it's mainly good. I think the restricted list is mainly good. I'd overall. like Pathfinders off it as well, if um. If drag, if it once the dragon roll leaves uh, after worlds, I'd really like Pathfinders to come off the list, um, just because I would like that card to be playable. At a I think that card's broken. I don't, I don't think that effect should be on a zero cost one influence card. I think it's completely fucking broken. Yeah, okay. non restricted card as well. Zero cost non restricted yeah, one but, influence. But you can you can arrive at like I, this is what I, this is what I don't understand about the design team. Is if you print influence costs, why not? Why not try and mess around with the influence? Like, why not push? They have a long-standing policy that they don't errata cards because people want they want people to be able to buy the game and play with the game that they bought rather than have to consult some website somewhere and look at what their cards actually do. Yeah, which but is a pretty... I, I mean that's fair, but like I don't know, Netrunner's got a massive list long. And more importantly, L5R already has errata on cards. Uh, Pit-trap, like I know how Pit-trap works because of the rules reference guide. Um, Errata errata is the equivalent of patching it like in a video game, but it's inelegant because you've got physical cards that don't do what they say they do. So I think the restricted list is overall the better solution. None of them are perfect though, but yeah. I I agree. I agree it's the better solution. I'm just saying like... Maybe there's room for that as well in the future, but you, yeah. you're probably right. It's probably not the most elegant way to go about it. All right. So I think we've... Right. Quick quick last run. Any other potential additions? We've talked about Hawk, Tap. Any other cards Edition that we see as problematic? It's a maze of illusion. Maze of illusion. Not because it's a good card, just because it's a problematic card that heads the design strategy in a really 
like having any situation where you're coin flipping, which is essentially what that card does for what can potentially be an enormous swing. Yeah. Yeah. A really bad design philosophy. That doesn't really... I also think Shameful Display could probably go on it. Yeah. I'm sick of that fucking card. It's such a swing card. I wouldn't wouldn't have a problem with that. Um, I've just got another question here. Oh, hold on. Here we go. This is... In your years of experience of sleeving and double sleeving cards, I was wondering if the personal opinion that you have... We can't hear this, Ben. I I don't know what's happening. (laughs) All right, hold on. Give me a sec. Try this once more. And then Hello. Sleeve at the top or the bottom of your sleeve. Is that a multi question? Is that a multi question? It was, it I have is, a question, Ben. Do, yeah. do, do you have a video question for a podcast? Was that what you were going to try and do? <laughs> no, it was it, it was <laughs> an audio question, question from Hugh, but I'll um I'll 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 just tell you the text. He recorded it, but it seems like the quality of the audio wasn't good enough. Um He's looking at uh, for some help on sleeving cards, and he was wondering uh, when you're sleeving cards, what is the optimal fingernail length, and if you got any tips in <laughs> sleeving both normal cards and the the double matted cards, and does the fingernail length alter between either card type? Uh, sorry, card sleeve type. Well, he's missing the secret recipe, mate. He's missing the salt that you sprinkle into your deck, but like into your card sleeves, just so. You know, it's pre-salted before you start losing games. So you just add a dash of table salt into your card sleeves, and you're good as you're good as gold to go. Uh, the finger, the fingernail length is irrelevant. I think I'd just say uh, if you've got long nails, then maybe I don't want to sit opposite you and play a game. The nails probably. <laughs> Unless you're a female, but if you're a guy and your nails are quite long, yeah, I'm probably not going to want to play you. Start and with so basic hygiene so before sexist. card sleeves. That is, just, <laughs> that is just sexist, Glenn. Hey, well, uh, I just think uh, it's important to look after your nails. And so if you have the more than optimal finger length for sleeping cards... <laughs> optimal uh, finger length? What the fuck are we uh, talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Well, as 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 local player Hugh would know, um, I think he should probably focus more on adding more spyglasses to his unicorn decks, and less about the uh, fingernail fingernail length of each card. Leaving the Thanks for the question, Hugh. Thanks for the question. I reckon that was a comprehensive answer. Let's uh, let's keep it rolling. All right. Is there any is there any is there any L five R questions here yeah. on this podcast? Yes. Or do we have the Star Wars Destiny question coming up? Uh, okay, we'll do the Destiny one now. <laughs> so, Leon, oh, gonna, all right, let's get all these, uh, let's get all these other questions out. It's like a Reddit AMA. Yeah, Ask yeah. me about L five R. Oh, right. what do you think about uh, Star Wars Destiny right now? Yeah, keep <laughs> Leon going. Leonardo says, "I'm building a Star Wars Destiny deck for a casual tournament. Which card yeah, from the Elemental him. Cycle would work well against Mill, as in M I double L? I'm thinking Mirror's Gaze. I think you're the only person who plays uh, Star Wars Destiny, Glenn." <laughs> Yeah, so I already answered this question uh, in the comments if people are interested. But I was actually thinking about why don't you just join them, mate? There's there's a few mill decks out there in L5R that you can also have fun with. Uh, and you can put Star Wars Destiny to the side just for a bit and join us in this game. Uh, I, I think you could play the Scorpion mill deck with Heartless Intimidator, which we talked about earlier. Or you have the choice of running Jay Kristoff uh, Special, 
the spicy special, as I've lost too many times. Uh, you can run the lighthouse. Uh, so you can be, you know, this Phoenix dude just just on an island with three giant lighthouses. <laughs> doing his, yeah, your opponent's deck each turn. You're like, oh, you're certain, but don't worry. That's going to the bottom of your deck, friend. Oh, oh I've been salt. Like, the fucking I've been, salt. <laughs> Man, this happened. This, that happened a month ago. You are still thinking <laughs> about it. He has a plot. Okay. And then... And then you can add in some infiltrates and be like, oh, you know what? I actually want to play this card as my own. Or, oh, actually, that card's actually quite good too. I'm going to mill it as well. Like, there's all these ways you can uh, mill, your, mill your opponent without rolling any dice, mate. But if you really want to roll some dice, uh, as Jay said only, earlier, uh, put Maze of Illusion in your deck. Bring, bring your trusty D6 to the table uh, and roll some dice. You'll get disqualified by, by the TO because you're not allowed to bring dice to, to an L5R tournament. But... <laughs> All right, so that's that's enough of that one. <laughs> um, two more, two is more questions. questions. Do we have yeah, L5R questions? We have, an, okay. we have an L5R question. Uh, this one's from uh, Mind's Desire. Uh, good old Anil. He said, uh, recent Gen Con winner Anil. He said, now that the Sev of the Clan has finally been released, do you think that the meta will change? Does Unicorn present any challenges or angles attack to give the quote unquote top clans problems? Yeah, I think the new stronghold gives them gives a lot of potential problems. If your deck is relying on Voltroning up, um, notice how I switched into my serious voice because like this is actually an L five R question. Um, <laughs> I think I think there is great potential as we've seen with the Lion deck that can make top four uh, origins. That these abilities to have an extra military conflict in military focused clans. Uh, offers some quite strong lines of play that you otherwise wouldn't see. Um, I haven't tested extensively, so maybe a few of you guys can comment on it. But in my limited play testing, uh, the new stronghold has enabled what already I thought was tier 1.5, tier 2 decks to kind of get up there a bit into the competitive meta. I'm just yeah. really glad that they're finally there, at least tier 1.5-ish. At, at, at worst, I think. And I love... So they got a lot of juice, like cards like the Ashiatome Encampment and some of the new um, Dynasty characters are pretty strong. Um, as for whether they present... They definitely present a unique challenge um, for, for the top clans because movement effects are just inherently strong. Um, but whether or not that actually like get, is going to give them problems in cuts at tournaments, I'm not sure yet. Yeah, I think um the new province that Unicorn run is something that other aren't doing. Flip something, all those cards that say like rally to the cause. Or you, when you flip it, so they have had a player have it under his box. The province flips, and he'll talisman you into it. Flip rally, and it's like an extra captive audience. Or you know, if they wait until you got three or four people in, and then they could flip if they were running um, night raid, for example, make you drop a bunch of cards. Like that little specific tech that no one else has, I think is is quite strong. As well. Nathan, pretty good. Nathan, you are a man after my own heart. I've been, you can ask Ben and Jay, I've been doing that for a while now. Uh, <laughs> flipping Night Raid when they kind of overcommit is actually quite strong. Um, that card that card only gets better with the more when revealed provinces they, they print. Um, and hitting, and you can flip their resto. So, like, you, you dump all your cards into your defense and you flip the dragon player's resto once you're down to four 
and it's quite a strong effect as well, I feel. Um, yeah, it's a super good province. Their alternate role is Keeper of Fire, right? So now they can do the Force of the River, Shahai, oh. plus Unleash the Jin as gross. a combo to it's get so gross. for... Yeah, I, want, I mean, it's a lot of auto loss, but it could be cool. We'll see how it goes. I, I think I think it's useful against those Voltrons, you know, just being able to set, you know, if you've got more characters in the conflict, you kind of win. Right. Okay. I also noticed a couple of unicorns sneaking Endless Planes back into the row as well. That kind of fell out of vogue for a while, but recently on Chikoku, pulled into a few by mistake, because you just don't expect to see the card anymore. It, it kind of fell out of fashion, so that can be... Did you be... lose any, any major... Did you take any heavy damage from it? A couple of times, yeah, because, you, like I say, you just don't expect to see it anymore. Um, so, yeah. It's kind of like getting Sukune there, where there. the crab turn one. <laughs> Mix yourself a Pathfinder's Blade. That's what you need. Got to get it off that list. <laughs> nah, if, you, if you're Burr, you never, that, that card's never seen play, mate. The card's always on the list. Yeah, fuck that card. The card shouldn't have been printed. It's underpowered, right. just like policy debate. Okay. You're making enemies fast here, mate. <laughs> All right. We had a final question to, to wrap up the pod, which I quite like. This one's from Edwin Pierce. Um, g'day Edwin uh, so he said hello Rollers what card is your spirit animal alright we'll, we'll start with Nathan what's your spirit animal I'm going to say the reclusive Zocogen yeah <laughs> <laughs> why is that because <laughs> you live in Perth just, just tucked away in a little cave in my little corner now and then pops out causes a bit of havoc and fucks <laughs> off again this hole <laughs> Glenn uh what? what did I say last time? I, I feel like I feel like my spirit animal is just going to shift each time. I, I feel like I'm that. I feel like I'm that bird at the moment. The, the kangaroo. You know, not really knowing what's. Yeah, I'm not no, not really knowing what's going on. I'm just flapping my wings and hoping for the best. Uh, <laughs> see where we go. Birdie. Well, last time I said noble sacrifice. That was my favorite card. But as for my spirit animal. I think it's probably Jade Tetsubo. I love the idea of just knocking someone's life force out of them with that one fell swoop, and it's got sick art, so Jade Tetsubo for me. <laughs> you just give an inanimate object a, an animalistic quality, mate? Yes. Yeah, man. <laughs> All right, I love you... anthropomorph- anthropomorphizing uh, inanimate objects, bro. Sure. Right. How about you, Jay? Have you got... Is it, is it policy debate? Is that your spiritual? <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do love and hate that card in your comments. No, I will, will say Guest of Honor just because she makes you fucking furious, dude. It's like Ben's sitting there thinking, why am I even in the building right now? That's so, yeah. What, what do I <laughs> no card makes you quite <laughs> as t- angry as her. I think it's time for another JD when Guest of Honor comes out. <laughs> That's it. Um, my spirit animal. Simcoe, spirit animal. <laughs> You've, uh, oh yes, absolutely. Is what I want to channel and like use as my totem is spreading the disease. I think that that's it's all that's good about card design <laughs> and L5R. I love the idea that like you're just losing a bunch of honor and you're just gonna channel the 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 was it the mayho, the shadowlands, the taint, and spread it all over your opponents. Just spread it over your opponents. <laughs> just spew it. Spread the taint on your opponent. So that was the best answer. The disease. Yes. <laughs> That's what I like. I enjoy it. All right. Uh, with that, uh, 
any any final thoughts uh any advice to to rookies to to new players yeah so if you if you sit if you sit down to play off ivar and your opponent's playing star wars destiny it's either gonna be me or leon so just watch out for that (laughs) happy in the next week it'll be me or leon sitting opposite you and you'll I'll pull, I'll pull out my dice, and you'll pull out Maze of Illusion, and we'll have a great time. Actually, Bert, Toridori, I do have one yeah. thing. Can you just plug the the latest Discord stuff? What's the state of the Aussie-French battle? What's going on with other yeah, stuff? Yeah, so we have a tentative start date for that. So we're, we're having our top eight playoff against the French top eight. Uh, that's going to start early September. It's probably first week of September, so next couple of weeks. And uh, that's going to hopefully be streamed in French and English. That should be a lot of fun. And then I think we'll do sign-ups for the next Australian League soon as well. So stay tuned for that. There's, there's great players on both sides of that top eight. Uh, so that should be really something everyone should get around and watch on uh, Jigoku when you can. Cool. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. We've been the Hidden City Rollers, and you've been people who play children's card games. Bye-bye.